Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. Um, so we are in a final week of our um, uh, messages uh, and our talks about faith where we've been kind of walking through this summer, our, our kind of our anchor verse has been 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13, and it should be up on the board right here. It says, uh, three things that last forever, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. And we've been looking at them because these are, are to us, three essential things that help, um, that help stabilize our lives in kind of our chaotic, crazy world that we're living in. And um, I mean, our, our world is full of deception. It's full of dis- changes all the time. It's full of chaos. And all of us, I, I believe, unless you've been living under a rock, um, has been affected in some way by these, these things. And so um, we just felt like it was important for us to recall these three essentials and receive fresh revelation of God's love, hope's expectation, and faith's action for our journey. Because we need all three of those working in our journey in order for us to experience kind of the fullness of what God has for us. Because we could just kind of try to make it by, or we could actually walk in in a relationship with Jesus to the point where we're not just making it, but man, we're, we're moving and we're, we're seeing God's hand move in our life in such a way that really it, it's been, things are not touching us, if I can say it that way. Things aren't touching us the way um, they're touching other people that maybe aren't walking in love or aren't walking in hope or aren't walking in faith as a whole. And so in this brief kind of study, because um, it's only been, this is the third week, but really faith is a never ending topic. Would you agree? I mean, you could teach days and days and hours and hours on faith. But while we've been in this journey that we're talking about faith, we've discovered that faith is being divinely persuaded by the Holy Spirit, that God's word is true to the point that we put it to action. So when you hear that word faith, think about it in that perspective. It's being divinely persuaded by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has to be a part of the ingredient to that. Because how many times have you ever come into church? How many times have you ever heard God's word and you just kind of heard it, but you walked away and it didn't stick? It just kind of like landed. And then you're like, okay, uh, that really didn't, man, that pastor just didn't have it for me, All right? You ever had that happen before? You're like, yeah, that just didn't do it. But see, part of it is the ingredient is the Holy Spirit, right? That's why as a pastor, I got to be praying, Holy Spirit, show up. Holy Spirit, speak through me. Holy Spirit, man, you got to be involved in the ingredients of what I'm, I'm trying to deliver. Because I recognize that, man, I don't have the gifting and the talent and the ability to be Mr. Charisma. And that just grabs every single thing. And you're like, oh, yeah, I'm fired up as you walk out like Tony Robbins or something like that, right? But, but with the Holy Spirit's help, he begins that, to, to develop and help us to understand that God's word is always true. I mean, put a stake in the ground. I mean, knock it in there. Don't ever let that get out of your belief system. God's word is always true, and as the Holy Spirit divinely you know, persuades you of that, then what you need to do is you need to then put action to God's word. I mean, it's really simple. It's kind of a one-two step. Get God's word, well, maybe three. Get God's word, allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you, convince you, persuade you that, man, this is true, even if on the outside the circumstances don't seem like it, it would, it's going to change. Right? And then you put action to that faith, to that belief. So it's kind of a one, two, three system. Okay? And that this kind of faith then gives us this, this spiritual fortitude. Something to where, you know what, we have like this, this stick to it. I'm going to try to say a word that probably doesn't even exist. Stick to itiveness. Does that exist? 
Okay, but, but, but like for an example, just in my head, I was thinking about, you know how like when you have a dog and you give a dog, um, say like a, a, a uh, towel or something like that and they bite on it and then you try to take it away from the dog and you're jerking back and forth and the dog's just like, but the dog won't give up. That's kind of what we need to do with God's word and our faith. If God says this, right? Then you know what? I'm not going to give up. I'm going to be like that dog holding on to that, that, that towel that is just going to, you can keep jerking me all you want, but you know what? I'm not giving up. I'm not going to let it fall to, to the side. And so that's, a, that's kind of a picture of what God's trying to get us to understand so that when we are living this life in this chaotic world full of sin, full of, you know, all kinds of craziness, we are able to say, nope, I'm standing with God's word. I'm standing with what God says. And I don't care if you look at me funny. I don't care if you've got a different view of me anymore. I know that God's word is true, and this is what I live by. And I, I'm locked into that. And I love this, this, this portion of scripture in John, 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. And it's kind of the, the B part of the, of the verse. But it says this, and this is the victory, say victory, that has overcome the world. Right? Or the, the, the world system, the world uh, circumstances, all of this stuff. It says, this is the victory that has overcome the world. What? Our faith. It's our faith that overcomes the world. But see, a lot of times, either one, we don't feel like we have enough faith to overcome the world. Which then, that should indicate that, you know what, hey, I think I need to grow my faith. Or we don't look at it and say, I got faith. So you know what? I can overcome any circumstance, any situation. I can overcome with whether or not this happens or that happens or this or whatever, or, or the whole world explodes. I can overcome because I have the promises of God's word in my life. So the title of our message today is uh, uh, The Permeance of Faith. The permeance of faith. So let me pray real quick and we'll get jumped into it. Father, we thank you that your presence is here today. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for your goodness. Help us to understand how to lock into faith and keep it rolling all the time. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, this word permeant, per, permanence, I'm probably butchering it already, but you know, you just go with me because words are hard for Pastor Scott sometimes, okay? Um, if you, if you look at some of the vocabulary things, I, I went online, and vocabulary.com tells us it is when something sticks around forever, okay? It comes from the Latin word permanent, which um, uh, in, in Latin, I'm sorry, it comes from the word permanent, which uh, in Latin means uh, uh, remaining to the end. It's the property of being able to exist for an indefinite duration, Okay? So we want our faith to be like that, right? We don't want our faith to be wishy-washy, where sometimes I got faith and sometimes I don't got faith. No, God wants us to be so locked in, like that dog that says, I got faith, and I know my God is bigger than any situation, any circumstance, anything that the enemy would throw my way, anything that this world would throw my way. I know God is bigger, God is greater and that he loves me. And because he loves me, he wants to move in my life. He wants to be there every step of the way. Even when you don't feel like he's there, guess what? He's there. Right? I mean, he is. I forget sometimes. God, where are you? And he's like, I'm here. Oh, yeah, that's right. You are here, aren't you? But it's, but it's something to where, you know, you grow in. You, we, we develop in that. So the goal for you and I is to develop and establish faith in God and his word, okay? That, that is in us, that sticks around, that exists in us for an indefinite duration. And like, I, again, I say, it's in every situation. All of us have to grow. Not, I, I, I'm pointing finger at me too. There are still things in my life that I'm believing God for, but man, I find myself sometimes Jumping all the way back to beginning again. 
when I thought, oh man, no, I'm, 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 I'm stuck right there. And, and, and really, by my actions and by my words, I have taken three steps back. But see, that's something that God wants to do in all of us. He wants us to grow, okay? He doesn't want you to stay stagnant. He doesn't want you to feel like, oh, I've reached the mountaintop of salvation, great. Yeah, but he's like, I got so much more for you. I want you to keep going and keep moving and keep, keep understanding how, how to keep developing this thing, okay? So no matter what the challenge is, no matter what the circumstances or opportunities that we come across in our Christian journey, we have to know that God is with us and that our faith will not waver. But again, it's a, it's a growing process. And in order to grow our faith, we have to work at it maintain it because it's not automatic would you say right we've got to grow it we got to maintain it in order for us to see the fruit of that faith okay i mean you go to the gym to work out to build muscles well you can't just go one time and all of a sudden you're like the rock right you're not just you know dwayne johnson you got to maintain it and keep it going and keep it going and keep it going. It's, you know, plants, same thing. You got to keep watering. Come back the next day, keep watering. Same principle. Like, like grass here in South Carolina. Oh, gosh. I, man, if anybody has, has ever figured out how to grow grass right without weeds and make it look good, let me know because I want to talk to you. But it's impossible. But see, you got to stay consistent of putting all the stuff down when you need to put it down, all that stuff. Same principle for growing your faith. You've got to be putting the, the building blocks in your life in place in order for that to develop the way it's supposed to. And so we have to understand that it takes consistency to mature our faith, right? And faith matures over time. Don't feel like, oh man, I'm supposed to be way up here right? When you first get saved. No, it's going to take time. You're going to have to mature in all of the, the things of, of, of the Word of God to the point where all of a sudden it begins to become a reality or life thing to you, right? Because when you get saved, man, you're so excited about Jesus and just, yeah, yeah, this is great. But then when you start getting into the, the, the things of life, you understand, wait a minute, I can't live that way anymore because I have Jesus, nor do I want to live that way. But man, it's going to take some discipline for me to grow step by step by step, right? When, when you read and go, what? Like, just throwing an example. What? Tithing? Oh my gosh. What? How? how what? I want to obey. But man, that's really, really hard. That's really, really tough. But see, that's, that's the principle of growing where you go, okay, well, I'll take a step. And then I take another step. And all of a sudden you start to see God move. But it's the same thing we have to understand. It takes consistency on our part because faith matures over time, okay? It's a minute by minute, day by day, um, hour by hour choice that you make. And so how do you accomplish this? That, that might be something you might think, well, how do I accomplish that? Well, I'm going to suggest that it's by your proximity to Jesus. Your connectedness to him and to the word of God. That's how you grow your faith, right? The Bible says faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, okay? And it's staying as close as possible to him. And I'm just going to say this, 24-7. It's not, hey, I'm going to stay close to God on Sundays. Between 10 and 11.30, if Pastor Scott gets done by then. Right? That's how close I'm going to stay. No, 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 no. This is a 24-7, every single day thing where your faith is becoming, listen, relational with him. Because that's how you want it. You want your faith relational to him, with him. Because you're walking hand in hand with him, and you're like, okay, I'm taking a step of faith here, and I don't even know how that's going to happen, but I know that you, you're encouraging me, you're, you're pointing me in this direction, God, so I'm going to take that step. But see, you're doing that because you have a relationship with him because you know his character. You know who God is. You have this relationship that, that's being built, and you're like, you know what? God's faithful. 
Because I, I, I have a relationship that I'm seeing in his word that he's faithful to his word. He keeps covenant with those who are in covenant with him, who have made Jesus our Lord and Savior, and to those who seek him. So if I'm in relationship, if I'm in proximity to Jesus, then you know what? My faith can grow. My faith has the ability to kind of navigate every single thing that I, that I encounter. Psalms uh, chapter 9, verse 10 says this. Um, it says, and those who know your name. Okay? Here it stands for the reliable character of God. Those who know your name will put their trust in you. For you, Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. When it says seek, that's talking about relationship. That's talking about you putting yourself in proximity to Jesus. You putting yourself in proximity to the word of God and being able to develop this, this understanding and this relationship. And the more relationship you have with God, the more your, your faith grows. And the more permanent it stays. See, if I've got a great relationship with God, then you know what? My, my faith is, is strong. My faith is permanent. Right, Even when the enemy comes and even when the enemy tries to attack or, or bring something in or, or God bless you know, those with good intentions. Because sometimes people with good intentions right, might try to still steer you off uh, another direction. But see, that's where we have to be so um, uh, infused with God's word that we know that even though They've got good intentions. I know what God says. Right? So like, let me give you an example. Uh, this is for free, by the way. Um, Jesus lived by that. Because, you know what? Jesus knew that he was going to have to go to the cross, right? But the disciples, or at least Peter, hey, no, 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 you don't need to do that. No, you, you're, you, know, you don't need to go to the cross. But see, Jesus knew what the plan was. He was so locked into what God's purpose was that even though the disciples or even though some people said, yeah, no, no, don't do that. You know, you're not going to do that. Jesus said, oh, yes, I am. See, Peter had great intentions. He did. But Jesus knew what God wanted, what God said. And there's going to come times when, you know what, he's going to ask you to step in faith in something. I don't, I don't know what it is. But he's going to ask you to step in faith in something. And you'll have people that, with good intentions. Don't do that. Are you kidding me? That's crazy. And you're all, yeah, but that's what God told me. That's what I know he says for me to do. And so even Jesus walked through that. But see, we got to get to that point where it, it, the word of God is so strong within us that we're like, you know what, not... not Nothing's going to push me away from what I know God has for me and what he's saying in my life. And so don't treat this relationship with God or with the Holy Spirit or with Jesus like it's just kind of a casual thing. The moment that you signed up, the moment you got saved, it wasn't meant for you to now be, have a casual relationship with Jesus. It was meant for you to have an intense relationship with Jesus, right? I love how Jesus said, hey, you know what? I didn't, I didn't come to bring, what does it say? I didn't come to bring peace, but I came to bring a sword, right? Meaning that there are going to be times that you're going to find that, you know what? People are not going to be happy with you because of your stance for Jesus, for the things that, that, that Jesus has spoken to you or brought into your life. When, when we um, were, and I, I've told you guys this story before, but when we were in uh, North Carolina um, doing um, children's ministry there, and then we um, resigned from our position not knowing what God was going to do, we had so many people tell us, hey, you got to move back to California because you know what? You don't have a job, Pastor Scott, and so you need to move back. What are you doing? You got to take care of your family. But there was such a resolve within us of faith that we were like, no, God's still got a plan and a purpose for us. And so what happened? We ended up coming down to Lakeshore. And then this kind of happens. And it's like, man, it's just, but see, we could have ran back. And we said, yeah, you're right. Yeah, that's what we need to do. It'd be so much easier. Yet we knew that God still had a purpose and a mission for us. 
And I'm thankful that we still stood in faith in all of those things. So we just can't be casual with our relationship with Jesus. We can't be casual with God's word, right? If we, if we want to build this spiritual fortitude inside of our life. And, and, and again, don't think or, or, or recognize that, you know what, the enemy will not take this lightly every single time you step out in faith with what God's saying. He, he, won't, he won't stay silent. In fact, um, maybe you've experienced this, but he'll challenge you every step of the way. He will challenge you. He will bring things up. He will try to disrupt your faith of, of being on target with what God's saying to you to the point where, you know what, you don't even get the victory that you're looking for. But see, that's where that growth of faith is developed in that proximity, that intimacy with him. So we're going to unpack three aspects of faith that we must understand and be intentional about in our lives to establish this permanence of faith so that, you know, we can, we can stand uh, uh, with this indefinite duration as we're close to him. So the very first one is we must assume a posture of faith. We must assume a posture of faith. Now, what do we mean by a posture of faith? Well, it's not a superhero stance. Okay? It's not you know, doing the Superman thing, the you know, chest open or whatever. Okay? It's, not, it's not something like that. But posture means believing every word God says, seizing it uh, in your heart, your mind, your spirit, and then holding on to it, not passively or wishy-washy, right? So if I'm going to have this posture of faith, that means I'm going to grab a hold of what God's telling me, or I'm going to grab a hold of God's word over whatever situation or circumstance or whatever it is, and I am going to grab a hold of it and believe that it's true, and then I'm not going to let go of it. I'm not going to let go of it. You know, I, you guys know my physical um, things, that, the challenges that I have. I am not letting go of the fact that the Bible tells me that by his stripes I am healed. I haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen it yet. But that doesn't mean I give up. I got to keep being the dog, right? This says, no, you ain't taking this from me. I don't know what I mean. I, it might not happen until I get to heaven. But praise God, when I get to heaven, I'm going to be healed. But I'm still going to hold on to it here and believe that one day, man, I'm going to go to the doctor and the doctor goes, hey, I don't know what happened, but man, this stuff is gone. And I'm going to be doing the, the, you know, the little church hop or whatever, church clap or whatever that is, okay? Uh, for those of you who've been around youth uh, camps or whatever, they do some church cl clap, whatever it is. Anyways, my, my boys are probably going, oh my gosh, my dad's a, a dork. Um, okay, <laughs> yeah. But see, we got to have a forceful resistance against what the enemy would try to do to us. And this posture is important because the enemy, right, along with all these factors that he brings in, in this playing field of life that we call it, right, are, is ready to pounce on our faith. He's ready to steal it, distort, bring any kind of doubt that he can into your life to get you off the promise. I mean, I don't know if you've ever, when you got saved, Right? I'm just trying to bring this to the basic, basic thing because, you know, I don't know how many of you have ever said, no, I'm going to stand in faith for this. I'm going to believe God for this because God said in his word. But let's just go with salvation. How many have ever gotten saved and then at some point or another had the devil say, are you really saved? Are, are you really? Because you know what you just did? You know? It's like when I'm in a car and someone's driving really slow and I'm getting like, ah, or when we were on a vacation, our family's very competitive, oh, so competitive, and we were playing miniature golf and we were actually trying to do a tournament and uh, we got to this, this, this golf, miniature golf course that was from the devil. Um, and I was blowing chunks, man. I was doing terrible. And I was winning the first two rounds. So I'm thinking, oh, yeah. And then I get to this one, and I'm just blowing it. And, man, there is so much stuff inside of me that is just boiling to where, you know, my kids are like, yeah, Dad, we saw you kind of looking off, not even paying attention, just going, you know, whatever, and all kinds of stuff. But, see, those are those moments where the enemy comes in, and he's like, yeah, see, you're not being a good pastor. You, you, you got problems. You got issues. Are you really saved? Are, do you really have Jesus in your heart? 
Have you? I mean, that's just taking it down to the very basics. But see, when you step out in faith for anything else and try to follow what God says, he's going to do the exact same thing. Are you, why are you doing that? Right? He'll even say again, good intending people sometimes. To say, are you sure about that? Ah, I think that's kind of crazy. You know, that we had lots of people telling us, hey, you need to come back home. Don't stay out there. You don't, why do you want to be out there? Come back home. You need, no, no, this is what, this is what the Lord wants for us. No, you need to come back. We'll, we'll figure it out. We'll get you all situated. But see, I, I'm so glad that we, 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 we stood in faith and said, no, this is what we believe God's saying. Right? But that's what you're going to have to do if you're, if you're serious about taking this step in, in, in faith. Okay? Matthew eleven twelve 12 says, From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. Now, the moment that John and Jesus' message went forth, after 400 years of silence, this is between the Old Testament and the New Testament, right? When their message went forth to re-engage the kingdom of God on the earth, it invoked an intensity of spiritual opposition and warfare surrounding the kingdom, surrounding anything related to the kingdom. And Satan still opposes that today. And so when, when the people, in a sense of talking about this mess, it, what they were talking about, when the people heard the salvation message, they didn't just passively take it. They had to take it by force. They had to say, no, I'm walking in. I'm grabbing a hold of this thing. I'm seizing it. I've got this kind of zeal for it. So they acted upon God's word. Same as you did when you got saved. If you made Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life, it's because you acted on God's word. That's faith. So you acted on it. But see, we have to get to this posture where we are actually have a forceful resistance to all of those things that shout out at us. It's not real. Are you sure you really want to do this? You think that that's just a book. That, that, that has no, no bearing on your life. See, that's where society wants us to go. Yeah, it's just a book. It has no bearing on your life. It doesn't apply anything. You know, it, it's just God's not even real. But see, what we have to do is be able to say, no, 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 no. I'm going to, to resist going the world's way, and I'm going to get locked into what God's way is and what God has to offer. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12 says this, fight the good fight of faith. So in other words, you've got to put on some spiritual gloves and get in the ring and fight. Fight the good fight of faith. See, those things wouldn't be said if they weren't supposed to be applied. But see, oftentimes we think, okay, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to go ahead and, and, and I'm going to uh, believe God for whatever it is, I don't, whatever that is, and I'm going to have faith in that. But see, at the moment the enemy comes to fight you, the moment the enemy comes to, to um, you know, give you doubt or unbelief or make things tough, we take the gloves off. Okay, I guess, it, I guess it won't work. I guess, you know, it'll... It, it won't happen for me because I'm, I'm not the perfect Christian. But see, that's the thing. You don't have to be perfect. God totally understands where you're at. And he, he knows that you are moving in a progression, which you should be, towards a relationship with him. But you can't take the gloves off. You got to keep the gloves on, right? Right? Because according to this verse, the path of faith often requires a fight. Meaning that, you know what? You've got to see it to completion. So what I mean by a fight then, and we'll get a little more deeper into that, but what I mean by that then is not just you giving up, but it's you actually saying, no, this is what God said. These are, these are even surrounding scriptures about what God said. It's you engaging. It's you putting on the gloves and saying, okay, 
This is what I'm going to do. Now, this is the, the Weiss translation. It says it this way. It says, be constantly engaging in the contest of faith. Be constantly engaging. That doesn't mean we just do it occasionally. Because really, in your relationship with Jesus, in your salvation, uh, you should be battling for it all the time. Right? There are encounters that you have in the course of your everyday life because of the craziness of this world and the Antichrist movement in this, in, in this world that you should be fighting the good fight of faith with and, and engaging in it and, 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 and constantly. So it says, be constantly engaging in the contest of faith, which, which contest is marked by its beauty of technique. So there's a technique to this thing. It's not just like lobbing a, a scripture out there or a, a God thought or whatever and just letting it just lob there and just kind of, oh, it should. Kind of like, you know, the balloon where you let go and it just, wow, how high is it going to get? No, what it should be is the fact that we've got this thing and then there's a technique to how we navigate it. How, how we get in there. So it's almost like getting in with the Holy Spirit as kind of like your trainer if you were going to go do karate or something like that and allowing them to show you the technique. Like how do those guys cut boards with their hands? If I were to do that, I have no idea what the technique is. Are you kidding me? I'm breaking my hand. I'm totally crushing every single bone in my hand. If I'm like, oh yeah, I can do that. But see, there's a technique to it. There is a way to, to do that. And what we need to do is allow the Holy Spirit to be our trainer when we're in close relationship in proximity to him to help us be able to learn how then do I keep constantly engaging in my fight of faith? How do I keep doing that? And the great thing about it is God doesn't want it to be a secret. See, sometimes we think, well, God, God doesn't really talk to me that much. Like, you know, he wants to keep it a secret from me. He doesn't. Oh my gosh. He wants to open up the treasures of his wisdom to you. But see, that's about proximity, closeness, relationship. The more we get in, in relationship, the more we, we get in there. And so Paul in 2 Corinthians 10 kind of just gives us kind of this step-by-step -step instruction of how to, how to remain in this posture of, of faith. And so we're going to take a, a few of these scriptures. It says this in 10 verse 3. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. So Paul is instructing them and really us, in order for you and I to keep our permanence of faith, we must recognize that although we live in the natural realm, you cannot and must not approach and engage the faith fight naturally. Okay? You can't engage it naturally the way the world does. And what I mean by that is with your natural mind. Right? See, that's why it's so important to, to memorize God's word. That's why it's so important to, to continue to read God's word. Because that's the only way your mind gets transformed. But see, sometimes what we try to do is we try to approach our situation with a natural mind bent. Our, our minds kind of go, okay, hey, I'm going to wage war against this, but I, I'm going to do it naturally. But see, God wants us to learn how to do it spiritually. And that's what Paul's trying to get across, okay? So we need to wage war by carrying out a design battle plan, okay? How do you get the design battle plan? Well, it's a design plan that is strategically developed by God. But how do you get that from God? Intimacy. Proximity, closeness. Because he might tell me, this is the strategy I want for you to do this. And you might have the same situation, but he'll look at it and go, but this is how I want you to take care of it. This is how I want you to proceed forward, what, what the strategy is. But see, we, we think sometimes, because there are times when we look at what someone else did and we think, oh, then we need to do that. Right? Have you ever done that? Oh, we must need to do that. Yet, we've never brought it before the Lord and say, Lord, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to do this? And he says, I want you to do it totally different. Right? It might even look crazier. 
but I want you to do it different, okay? And then we've got to be able to say, all right, I trust you with everything I got. And I'm going to go in that direction. I'm going to move in that direction. But see, we've got to understand, he's got a strategy, but we've got to be willing to press into that. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4, the first part of it, it says, the weapons we fight, which are not the weapons of the world. Okay? So Paul begins to describe the various battles that we'll encounter. Now, recognize this. They are not physical. They're not hand-to-hand combat. They are spiritual. They're battles fought in our minds and our emotions. Because the devil understands that whoever, whoever controls the mind controls you. And, he control, and it controls your emotions. He understands that if he can take the mind, then he can dictate the destiny of your life. If he takes your mind, feeding you all of the negative stuff, all of the bad stuff, all of the things, all of this stuff. So these, not, these battles are not about, say, your spouse or your job or your family. They're about the things that we allow to enter into our minds. They are the things that even exit our minds. There's a dual part to that. We allow things into our mind. You know, you're not very good at that. You'll never be very good at that. You, you, you just, you're such a failure in that. You will never be a great Christian. And then what comes out of our mouth? I'll never be a great Christian. I'll I'll never, you know, I'll I'll never be able to pray like Pastor Scott prays. I'll never be able to pray the way God designed you, right? I mean, but see, we speak the negative too. We allow it to come in and then we go ahead and speak it negative too. Yeah, I'm just, nobody loves me. Yet, hopefully, man, you, you, you got to know that you got people who love you, who, who want to surround you and, and, and be a part of, of your life. But see, we've got to understand that's kind of what he does. And what he does is that he, he, the enemy, a lot of times what he'll do is he'll just keep throwing something at you all the time. Just keep throwing it until all of a sudden the walls break. You know, I think I've used this illustration before, but it's, it's like taking a tennis ball and you write all the negative words that he can think about you and talk about you. And all he does is just keep bouncing it off the wall until all of a sudden you, you receive it. Yeah, I guess I am that way. I'll always be that way. I, you know what? I am so guilty of soaking in that tennis ball and not even realizing it. And so then what happens sometimes comes out of my mouth. Man, the Holy Spirit, why did you say that? Why do you think that way? I don't know. Because that's what I've heard in my head. But see, I don't know if it happens. I mean, it happens to me a lot. I've gotten better at it. But see, I don't know if it happens to you. But see, you've got to recognize he's going to keep pounding and keep pounding and keep, you know, giving it to you until all of a sudden you get so exhausted that you, you just, you just break. And you're like, yeah, that is so true. I am this way. I am this. No, you're not. You're not that way. If you were to look in scripture, it tells you exactly who you are. You are a child of God. You are more than a conqueror. You have victory in every situation. Even if you don't see it right away, you have victory in every situation because of who Christ is in you, the hope of glory. Not because you're special. I don't get to get up here and do this because I'm special. It's because of Christ and what he's asked me to do, which sometimes I think he's crazy for asking me to do. But that's the deal. And so we have to be able to understand that, you know what, it's a spiritual battle that goes on. It's, it's not really this intellectual battle. It's a spiritual battle that we just have to pay attention to. And really, only God's word, right, carries the weight and the divine authority and the power to destroy the lives of the enemy. Only God's word does. We can try, you know, we can try and try with our natural mind. But see, that's when the enemy is the happiest. 
Oh, you just keep doing that with your natural mind. You just keep doing that. Go ahead. Go ahead. Fight me with your natural mind. Because he doesn't want you to fight with your spiritual discernment, with your spiritual understanding, with your spiritual mind. Again, that's why it's so important to get back to Romans chapter 2, verse 12. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The more you get the word of God in there, the more your mind is trans, uh, transformed. Your life is transformed, but then you're starting to fight things from a spiritual discernment instead of a natural dis- discernment. You, you following me? Okay, I'm glad you are. Because it's important for us to understand. Because, next verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, uh, verse 4, uh, um, this is the, the, last part, uh, the other part of it. It says, on the contrary, they, that means God's word, have divine power to demolish, right, completely destroy strongholds. Now, strongholds are, des- are described as a prison or a castle or a fortress. Where are these strongholds? In your mind. They're, they're in your mind. You can't see them, but they are those things that keep you trapped. That says, I will never get beyond this. I will never grow beyond this. I will never be anything in the kingdom of God. Because you've allowed the enemy to convince you, you will never be anything in the kingdom of God. You allow the enemy to say, see, God's word is for that person, not really for you. You can't apply it to your life. And so over time, these strongholds are built up to where all of a sudden you're locked in them and you are in prison. And the enemy loves that. He's like, yeah, because you know what? Now I know that he's not going to go any farther because he's, he's locked them, himself up in, in, in his mind in these strongholds. But see, again, God's word has the power to break any stronghold the enemy has brought into your life. You know, and, and I'll even get to this point. I, I think, I believe, um, that you can even have good strongholds in your mind. Ones that are based on the word of God. So we have to flip the narrative to it and look, okay, where are there, are there are strongholds in my mind that are not, that are not, that are contrary to God's word, okay? I'm no good. I'll never be, that, that only works for them, I'm not a good enough. God, God, won't, God, won't, God won't do anything for me. Okay, that's contrary to God's word. Because God said, man, I'll, I'll, I'll be there every step of the way. So you take that, and now you've got to get into God's word and be able to say, okay, what does God's word say about me? That's what he says. Okay, now I'm going to just keep feeding my mind and keep feeding it and feeding it and get so fat on God's word that it begins to destroy the stronghold, but then it begins to build a, a brand new stronghold of God's word in your life to where then the enemy can't convince you of anything other. Because you're like, no, man, I got this down. I know who I am in Christ. Because that's what God wants for each one of us. He wants us to know who we are in Christ. And then 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5 says, we demolish arguments. Again, that's like, you know what? We just, no matter how widely accepted something is, um, and it says, in every pretension uh, that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. So we have to understand that each, it's a step-by-step process, right? It's a concept-by-concept process until they form this argument that challenges God's word. But see, we have the ability to do that. And it says, uh, we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Now, this captive thing is a military term. Basically what it is, is what we need to do is we need to set up a guard. And that guard judges when something enters our mind and says whether this is according to God's word or not according to God's word. And then if it's according to God's word, come on through. But if it's not, then we have to be able to say, that's not truth. That's not what God says about me. And, you know, basically kick it out. I was doing the, the rocket thing here. Okay. And then 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 6 says, And we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience once your obedience is complete. Oh, and we will be ready. Yeah. And so 
when we comply to God's word, to standing firm because of this divine persuasion of the Holy Spirit that God's word is truth, then that power of God's word will begin to be activated in our life. Okay? We will begin to see strongholds broken. We will begin to see things that we are actually praying for and, and standing in faith for and believing for all of a sudden begin to develop, kind of see some fruit off of that because of what God is doing in our life and what, we're, what we've put, put ourselves into in this relationship. The second point is we must establish a place of faith. We must establish a place in faith. Hebrews 11.6 says, And without faith it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards, okay? That he cares enough to respond to those who earnestly seek him. Now, this word without um, in the Greek means to be outside of something such as someone who lives outside the perimeter of a city. So in essence, there is an address of faith that God wants you to live at. He doesn't want to live outside of, 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 of the perimeter of faith. He wants you to live inside that city, right? He wants you to take residence there 24-7. And how do you do that? By staying connected to him, by relationship. But see, we have to stay within that. But see, when, we, when we're praying for something, we want it to come to pass. We have to, again, like, again kind of like the dog. If we were to pull the thing from the dog, he's not, he doesn't have the towel anymore, does he? No. And so look at it from that perspective. If, if we were to take our faith out of the picture, are we still living in the perimeter of faith? If, we're, if we've taken faith out of the picture? And went back to our natural mind and say, yep, it's never going to happen, never going never gonna to work. Yeah, we, we've just stepped out of the perimeter of faith. We've just kind of stepped out of it. But see, we've got we to stay in this thing by developing our knowledge of, of God's word. Because again, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And so we can't step out of faith. So basically what I'm just trying to tell you on that aspect of it is, you know what? Don't give up. The moment you give up, the moment you've stepped out of faith. Now, I'm not talking about salvation faith unless you denounce Christ, which don't do. But I'm just saying, just in the things that you're maybe asking God to help you with or believe in God for, stay in faith. Stay connected. Stay in that proximity. Stay within the boundaries of what God has said. And you know what? That is going to be a, a, an opportunity for you to grow and then to see fruit come from what you're praying for. Because, you know, we all go through mountaintop times and we all go through valley times, Right? I mean, it's great praising God and standing in faith when, man, everything is going awesome. But see, what happens is we go through valley times. And often, not all the time, but often, we tend to waver in our faith. We, we tend to, ah, oh, see, God's not around. God doesn't care. God's this. God's that. No, he is. But see, what we do is we just kind of slide out of our proximity of faith and kind of see it from a distance, but we're not living, practicing, taking action to our faith of what God has said. Ephesians 6.10 says, this is in the Passion Translation, Now, my beloved ones, I have saved these most important truths for last. Be supernaturally infused with the strength through your life union relationship with the Lord Jesus. Stand victorious. Right? How do you stand victorious? If you're in the perimeter, you're living in faith. You're living in that address. With the force of his explosive power flowing in and through you. Do you just realize that the scripture told, said, told us that every single one of us who have, been, um, have made Jesus Lord of our life, there is explosive power in you. See, you might not feel that. You might not say, I, me? What are you talking about? 
But, but see, that's the power of the Holy Spirit in you, living and breathing in you. But see, we, we've got to get to a point where we even walk in faith towards that, right? Opportunity comes to pray for somebody. What's the first thing that comes to your mind? I don't know how to pray. Am I going to say the right words? Am I going to say it this way or that way? I don't know, right? Okay? I, I, I'm in there too. But see, what happens is we got to realize, man, I've got the Holy Spirit in me, and he will give me the words to pray, right? Even if you think they, 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 they were clunky, you got to believe that there's power working in you. So much so that, you know what? Okay, I'll pray. I don't know what I'm going to say. God, I don't know what, but you, you, you help me. And then you go for it. And I've told you this in the past. I have said some clunky prayers that came to pass, that came true. And then I've said the most romantic, beautiful prayers I think I've ever said, and then nothing came true, or it came to pass. And I thought, that don't make any sense. I sounded beautiful when I prayed. You know, in your head. You know what I mean? You're just like, oh, I nailed that one. And then the Lord decides, well, yeah, you think you did. But then I've said clunky ones, and I'm, I think, oh, gosh, I just told, oh, I chunked it big time. And then next thing you know, someone comes back and goes, Pastor Scott, what you prayed for, it happened. Really? Like, I'm even surprised. Instead of being like in faith and going, yeah, you know it's true. But, but, but understand, you've got this power of the Holy Spirit working inside of you. And you should have enough faith to pray for any situation at any given time when you have the opportunity to. But again, it's going to be about relationship. It's going to be about proximity, connection, right? But we've, we've just got to be bold in that. Uh, the very last point, and we'll get close to closing here. Uh, we must protect the purity of faith. We must protect the purity of faith. So all I'm saying is pray. When someone wants you to pray for them, pray. And if it's clunky, it might even be better than what you thought you could do. Right? Because God loves, I think, clunky prayers. More so than that, you know. Because, I, you know, so you think about it, like even the, you know, the Sadducees and the Pharisees. I'm sure in the Bible, they had these beautiful, poetic prayers. You know, and along comes somebody who prays in faith for Jesus, you know, and it's clunky. And they answer, and those guys are just religious. Right? So, I mean, anyways, that's another freebie, I guess. Um, all right. So number three is we must protect the purity of faith. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 12 through 13 says, What we have received is not the spirit of the world. Amen? But the spirit who is from God. Amen? Lost my place. So that we may understand what God has freely given us. So stop right there. We have been given the spirit of the world. I mean, the spirit of, of the, we've been given the spirit, not the spirit of the world, so that we may freely understand what God has given to us. This, this, this whole scope of salvation, this whole scope of relationship is based on the fact that the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. This is what we speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in the words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with, with Spirit-taught words. So it's kind of important to note that even in verse 11, which I did not read, and I haven't read verse 14 yet, but, but in verse 11 it says God, um, that the Spirit knows the deep things of God. So if you want to know the deep things of God, Connect more with the Holy Spirit. That's why we've been given the Holy Spirit. That's why the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. And since we as believers have the Holy Spirit on the inside of us, and if we allow him to speak and teach us, I mean, there is this unlimited access to wisdom. God's wisdom. Not man's wisdom. Not the natural wisdom. But I'm talking about Holy Spirit-driven wisdom that goes beyond the natural thinking. That's why I'm saying, like when you, know, you, you step out in faith and someone says in the natural, hey, what are you doing? Or you step even out in salvation, why did you get saved? See, that's natural thinking. But see, the Holy Spirit gives you power beyond that. 
to say, no, this is, this is the truth. This is what, I'm, what I'm, I'm, I'm living for. And then in verse 14, he says, the person without the spirit, okay, so that's unsaved ones, but can I take it even a little bit farther? I would say that's the people who are devoid of spiritual life or, 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 or believers who live with a natural mindset. Did you know that? There are believers who live in a natural mindset and not a spiritual mindset. The spiritual mindset is there. It's wanting to come out. It's wanting to, to, to develop in them. But see, that's, that's the thing about God. He's, so, he's not going to just you know, make you a robot. It's the free choice of saying, no, I want to be spiritually minded over natural mind. Okay? So he says, the person without spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God. Okay? So it's a choice. But consider them, what? Foolish and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. There are things in the Word of God that you're going to look at in, in the natural mind and go, How? no way that works. I don't, that, that, does make, that makes absolutely no sense. The reason why it makes no sense is because you're thinking with your natural mind. But see, if you look at it through a spiritual lens, through a spiritual mind, you say, well, God's word is true. God's faithful. He, he, he promises that he'll... He, the scripture says he puts, his he puts his word above his name. That's how serious he takes it. But see, we've got to understand that, that that's kind of what happens. So this word discern means, you know what, we're supposed to examine and judge in an objective or forensic sense. So we've got to be able to look at God's word and be able to say, okay, what is, what, is, what is God saying? And is God saying this as truth? Yes. Then I move forward. Then I go, go, go into that. But see, people tend to look at it from a, a, um, a natural mind a lot of times. So in order to get to that point of being able to be uh, spiritually discerned or spiritually understood, then you know what? We've got to be able to um, grow in our understanding of God's word in proximity to, to Jesus, allowing the Holy Spirit to grow it inside of it. But here's the deal. Sometimes you get um, people, there's, there's, there, you, you'll get discouragement from the enemy, but you also get discouraging voices from inside um, the body of Christ. Okay, um, that really these people, God bless them, but, but once you start understanding the, the living in the proximity of the walls of faith, you can tell by what they, how they, they address a certain subject or whatever. But let me give you three of the most prominent, I, I want to say counterfeit faith voices, because they'll, they'll have an opinion for you. I mean, and there's lots of them, but, but I'm just, and I'm just going to say them because we don't have enough time. But have you ever heard, you never know what the Lord's going to do? You just never know what he's going to do. And then, or have you ever heard, everything happens for a reason? Okay? Insinuating everything is God's doing. Or the third, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Now you can look at Job, and Job kind of said that, but you got to look in the right context of it. But see, in your, in your folders, in your book, and that's why because of time. Look at that section. Go over it because we, we give you a little bit of, of understanding, but then we give you scriptural references that, that kind of that, that, that talk about, hey, no, this is what the truth is. And then also we have a, a kind of in there a scriptural response that kind of goes along with what what. what how, if we're in the proximity of faith, living in, in this, this city of faith, that we can say, no, God's word is true. This is what God says. So take the time to go over that and let the Holy Spirit deepen root, your root system in God's word. So that, you know what, when you hear statements like that, man, you're not going to be compromised and go, oh yeah, you're right. You, you, you might not feel comfortable to say, hey, wait a minute. But you don't have to take that in as truth. Yeah, you're right. You know, because sometimes people would say, oh, hey, this, this phrase is in the Bible when it's not. But do we know that? And because I attach Bible to it, 
You're like, oh, it must be in the Bible. I always thought like that would be kind of like interesting to just say, oh yeah, the Bible says this and just kind of see if anybody gives me that weird snake eye look like, wow, that's not what it says, you know, but I've never done that. <laughs> I think, hmm, no, I've never done it. But, but, but see, that's where we've got to get to the point where we're understanding and, and developing this root system of what God's word says so that we run across good intending people good intending Christians, but that are not living in an avenue of faith of who God is and what God says is true, we can just either, you know, oh, bless your heart, the Southern thing, right? Oh, you're just so bless you. Or we can just kind of, you know, say, hey, I don't agree with that. And let me tell you why. Because God's word says this. And that's what I'm believing. And they might look at you weird. They might think, yo, you're crazy. You know, you've like. Jesus slid off the cracker, whatever. But you're not going to compromise. See, that's the faith that God wants in us, that we will not compromise God's word at any time, at any moment. But see, it's going to take us really growing and really stepping in and saying, okay, I might be on the, the, the bottom rung of this ladder, but Lord, help me to get to the next rung and the next rung and the next rung. And each time, the Lord is going to be so faithful to grab you by the hand and say, I'm with you. I'm going to help you through this. I'm going to make sure that, that yeah, you might hit a valley. But you know, in that valley, I'm going to show myself to you so that you're like, yeah, he's just so faithful. He never leaves me nor forsakes me. He's just got me surrounded in every single thing. And so I hope, I hope, I hope, Today was a day that, that kind of gave you a little bit of understanding that you're going to have to fight a fight of faith, right? Because the enemy's not going to give up easy when you, when you step out in faith. You know, if the Lord tells you to do something, you know, the craziness of, like, I've heard people, yeah, the Lord told me to quit my job and that another job was going to come. What? Right? But they did it and another job came. See, sometimes it's those, those things that you just have to be sensitive Right, but 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 make sure that you're hearing from the Lord. That's why it's so important sometimes to be able to come to uh, somebody who's more mature in the faith and be able to say, "Hey, this is what I'm sensing the Lord saying. What do you think?" Well, this is you know. Let me pray about that, or um, you know, let's let's talk about that. Let's kind of see. You know, iron sharpens iron, whatever. Um, but see, what happens a lot of times? Some people get in trouble because they just jump out, but they don't have counsel wise counsel in their life. And so in your process of faith, man, if you're unsure, then get counsel, wise counsel. You know, kind of reason together. They did that in the Bible. They kind of reasoned together and they asked, put it before the Lord and they said, man, this is what seemed right to us and the Holy Spirit. And then they move forward. And see, God loves you enough to surround you with people that want to help you navigate this journey. We just can't isolate ourselves. We can't just be in isolation, but we've got to be able to maybe even stretch ourselves a little bit. And so just, just to, to wrap it up, you're going to have to fight if you step out in faith. You're going to have to realize the enemy will come He'll try to get your mind off target, but you can't allow that to happen, right? You got to make sure that you're living in the proximity of faith, making sure that you are basically sitting there with the Lord 24-7, getting all the scriptures, all of the things that you can get to, to reinforce what you believe God is saying to you. And then don't allow the outside to change what you believe God said to you. Because what God said to you is pure. It's holy. But see, what happens is we allow the outside to say some things. And then if we go with that, then all of a sudden now it's polluted. It's corrupt. And God doesn't want that for us. He wants us to live in faith. But he wants us to live boldly in faith. Because that's what he desires for his people. Not, not you know, head down, I'm barely making it. He wants us to have our head up and know that even though my circumstances haven't changed yet, I'm still believing because God 
has put it before me that his promises are true. So bow your heads. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you speak to us. We make room for you to speak to us about faith. Give us a greater understanding of God's word. Persuade us, convince us that God's word is true in whatever areas that we have in our life that that need your hand to be upon it. And we'll yield to you. Help us to grow in that yielding as well. But Holy Spirit, as we we take these these, um, steps of faith, I thank you that you help us to remember that you know what, you're with us. You're, 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 the Holy Spirit will give us the strategy, the plan from God's word of what we need to do so that we can defeat the enemy in every area. And I thank you, Lord, that you are building your church for this end time. That one, a church that is not weak, but a church that is strong, a church that is bold, a church that is full of the Spirit, a church that is in, in inviting and, and encountering your presence through us into the lives of other people. Thank you for building that within this congregation as we grow. I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you for who you are. And let us experience that grace and that love beyond anything that we can comprehend and know this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.